0: The Old Testament reading for this, the 24th Sunday after Pentecost, comes from the prophet Amos, the 5th chapter. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord! Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light, as if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall, and a servant bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Like an ever flowing stream. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed and made the blood of the Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Epistle reading comes from the letter of 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore encourage one another with these words. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes to us according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And this is the gospel of our Lord. Praise Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When are Grandma and Grandpa going to be here, I asked. Sometime this afternoon, was the answer. But when? When? I can still remember the tension, the agony, the uncertainty as a kid waiting for a visit from Grandma and Grandpa. Running to the front door every time I thought I heard a car. Jumping on the back of the couch to look out the front window at random times, just in case. Being distracted and antsy all afternoon, waiting, waiting, waiting for those beloved visitors. See, it wasn't like today, where Grandma and Grandpa can call from their car and tell us they're about ten minutes away. This was an entire afternoon of agonized waiting, wondering, fearing that maybe somehow I'd miss them and they would turn around and leave. It never had before, but who's to say this wasn't going to be the first time? And then finally, on my 78th visit to the window, oh joy of joys, it's that most glorious of all sights, a blue Pontiac station wagon sliding up to the curb in front of our house whoops of joy echo through the living room. Three children slam into each other and scrabble to try to get through the front door first, racing down the sidewalk, the porch, into the open arms of Grandma, because Grandpa always drove. He was on the far side of the car. We would get to him later. (laughs) We would shout and barrage them with all the questions. What presents did you bring? Did you bring us cookies? What do you want to do while you're here? Look what I can do. All the waiting. All the tension, all the frustration, it was all forgotten in the bliss of their arrival, in the joy that came because Grandma and Grandpa were finally here. Well, here we are today, 24 Sundays after our celebration of Pentecost, coming to the end of another church year. And during these last Sundays, our focus is upon Jesus' triumphant return. The great day of the Lord, the last day. Our readings, our prayers, our hymns, they focus upon the final days of the earth. Just like they did last year, and the year before that, and for decades, even centuries. For so long now, the church on earth has eagerly looked forward to Christ's return Wondering, when will Jesus get here? As we look around, we see so many things in the world that make us think the end must be near. There's terror, there's pain, there's suffering and death, darkness, persecution, earthquakes, disasters. The list goes on and on. And we seem to be checking off so many items from Revelation every time we see the news. We hear the readings of these last Sundays of the church here, and we think, aha, well, that's referring to this situation, and that part's about this, and oh, look, there's the Pope. It's all being fulfilled, we say in our minds. Jesus is going to be here any second now. And yet, as of the writing of this sermon, he has not yet come. It still hasn't. And so we sometimes lose hope. We sometimes think that Jesus is not actually coming. We think in our minds, maybe he has forgotten about us. Or maybe he never actually meant to return. That it was all a metaphor and the earth is just going to go on until it eventually runs its course and runs itself out. And then, the satanic thought creeps into our head that maybe Jesus doesn't even actually exist. And so there's no way that he could return. And being sinners and doubters, the longer we wait, the more we entertain these foolish thoughts and lots of others. As a child waiting for Grandma and Grandpa, I was focused only upon their arrival. Nothing else mattered that day, and I anything that I was doing, it could be dropped in an instant if I thought that they were here. But when it comes to Jesus, we are far more distractible. We find ourselves listening to the world's ridiculous arguments against God. We get caught up in all the latest celebrity gossip and sports talk. We actually start to hope that Jesus doesn't return for a little while. Because, well, Black Friday is just around the corner. And the kids are really looking forward to soccer this year. And we still have two seasons of our new favorite show to watch. And so, like the foolish virgins in our gospel reading today, we drift off to sleep. Letting ourselves get too comfortable in this world. Not looking forward to our duty when Christ returns. Starting to think that it would be just fine if God actually did go back on his promise to return. Because, hey, we're cozy, we're happy, we're content. But God does not forget. God always keeps his promises. And the day of judgment is indeed coming. Not on our terms, not on our timetable, but on His. In our Old Testament reading from the prophet Amos, God chastises His people for wishing for the day of the Lord. Not because they shouldn't look forward to His return, but because they weren't ready like they thought they were. They assumed they had a free pass because of their bloodline or the fact that they observed certain days or they went through certain motions. They were doing things that seemed pretty churchy. But that wasn't it. It's about a right faith, not blood, not ceremony, not what we think looks good. And the people of Israel, they had turned from God's word and they had turned hard. They were becoming rich and greedy, living lives of luxury and assuming that it would never end, putting their faith in their wealth. They were more concerned with their businesses and day-to-day life than they were with God's Word. That was secondary, and sure, we'll go through the motions, but here's what we really love. They were chasing after false gods, trying to make the true God more worldly, more acceptable, more like themselves. They lived far more by the ways of the world than the ways of the Lord. And they were very, very comfortable and happy with that arrangement. Mocking anyone who tried to warn them. Rejecting anyone who actually spoke the word of the Lord to them. And so God himself speaks to them. And says, don't be so anxious for the day of judgment. Because without right faith, you won't escape holy wrath. God will not be mocked. And when he returns, he will indeed mete out the judgment that he has laid out in his word. It cannot be escaped. Amos says it's like fleeing from a lion only to run into a bear. You escape the bear, get home, think that you're safe, and a snake pops out of the wall and strikes you dead. When Christ comes again, all will be judged, no matter what they believe. No matter how hard they try to hide. No matter how vehemently they cry that Jesus isn't really real. And so by grace, that day of judgment has not yet come. Yes, grace. Every day that Jesus does not come is another day of grace. Another chance for unbelievers to hear the word of God and be brought to Christian faith. Think about this. What if Jesus returned the day before someone heard the gospel for the very first time? What if Jesus had come the year before you were born? Every day that this world exists, no matter how evil and wretched and painful it may seem, every day is another day to share that blessed gospel message of Jesus Christ, of his free gift of salvation to tell people about the gift of redemption that comes only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Every day is one more day for our faith to be strengthened as we see God guiding us, carrying us through all this world's tribulations, working miracles that the world despises but we know have the gift of eternal life. Every day is a day to give thanks to God, to repent of your sin, to boldly bring his word of law and gospel into a world that so desperately needs it. We might lose hope. We might lose focus. We might forget about Jesus' promise to return, but he never does. The great day of the Lord will come, not when we expect it, not when it's convenient for us, not when we want it to, But it will come. And so Jesus gives us that blessed warning and, yes, even command. Watch. Be ready. Be faithful in season and out, knowing that Jesus truly will come again. Do not put off hearing God's word, assuming that there will be time later. But hear the word gladly. Put it into practice in your life. Share it with those around you. Be filled with his precious gifts of word and sacrament so that your lamp may shine out so brightly no matter how dark the world gets. Do not grow weary of doing good, of keeping God's pure word at the very center of all you do, even if the foolish world mocks you for it. Now, how can we do all this? Well, not by our own strength, that's for sure. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit, Can we truly be ready when Christ returns? And when that day comes, everyone will know it. There will be no doubts, no question if we accidentally missed it. For those who deny God's word, who stand defiantly against him, who look for assurance in science or feelings or works or culture or any false god, they will find themselves locked up, seeing too late what a terrible mistake they've made. But for those who trust in Jesus Christ, those who confess that his cross and empty tomb alone can save, we will rise with joy to greet our victorious king and to be ushered into the wedding feast that has no end, to see the full glory of Jesus Christ ourselves, to see with our eyes what we have now only known by faith, to be reunited with all of our loved ones who have gone in the faith, to be carried in the loving arms of our Savior to that eternal wedding feast of heaven. We will forget all about the pain and suffering that we've endured, the jabs and japes of the world around us, and we will continually rejoice that Jesus Christ is here and we are his. When will Jesus get here? We don't know. It could be today. It could be next year. It could be a thousand years from now. But we do know that he is coming again simply because he has promised it. He who suffered and died in our place, he who rose again from the grave to give us eternal life, he will not forget about his promises and abandon us. Nobody knows the day or the hour, but Jesus Christ will indeed return just as he promised. And when he does we will rejoice like never before, entering into his eternal paradise with joy and thanksgiving. Not because of how well we prepared ourselves, but because he himself has made us ready. He has worked faith in our hearts. He has made us a new creation. He has given us oil for our lamps. And with each and every day that Jesus delays his return, we give thanks. And we set about our work of sharing his good news with others focusing our lives on his holy word, telling everyone the gospel of Jesus Christ with our words and our deeds so that they do not find themselves locked out of God's eternal feast. So every day we watch and we wait with joyful anticipation, not wondering whether we've made the list, but knowing for certain that when Jesus returns, he will take us to be with him in heaven. Not because of anything that you've done, but because you know what he has done for you. For by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins and eternal life in heaven is yours. Thanks be to God. Amen.